Amen. Let's begin the message part with prayer. Father, we thank you right now as we bow our head or close our eyes. We take a moment in this moment and decree, declare your lordship over our life. I thank you, Father God. We call the order of heaven into this moment and this place and lives of your people. Those who are willing to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father God, I thank you for a supernatural work in their life. I thank you for healing, deliverance, peace, rest, and joy. I thank you for strength and confidence. I thank you for wisdom and insight in every situation. I thank you, Father God. Let your word come alive to us today. Father, let your word come alive to our hearts, to our spirits. Let your word become alive to us today. Let it not be like any other Sunday in any past time where we have heard the word but did not connect to it. Today we choose and we open our hearts. Holy Spirit, connect us to the truth of your word. Let it become alive to us. And Father, right now, I speak into their lives an unexpected blessing this week. I thank you not that we even have to look for it, plan it, manipulate it, ask for it, or try to make it happen. I speak unexpected blessings over the houses of your people today. I thank you those who are here, those who are listening in the portico, those who are listening from the mall hallway, those who are listening from their cars, those who are watching from home. I thank you that those who would dare to believe to receive, I speak an unexpected blessing this week in their life, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. We get, and everyone shouted. Everyone shouted, amen, amen. We're starting a new series today. If, you're, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. I encourage you to have your Bible, and you can do that by your phone, iPad, or I kind of like also having something you can write on. Because if you're anything like me, I'll be in a moment, and I'll get a revelation from the Word of God, and I'll be like, wow, that's awesome, and I'll, I'll get a little nudge by the Holy Spirit, write it down, and I'll say, no, no, I'll never forget that. We were just talking about that the other day. And, uh, have you ever done that? Oh, this is so good, I'll never forget it. And it won't even be an hour later, I'll be like, what was that? Well, that's Matthew 13, the enemy trying to steal that truth that's been in the other word. It's James chapter 5, James chapter 5. Amplify. Classic translation says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Yes. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic, in its working. When I was looking for the direction from the Lord on what the new series should be, this phrase jumped into my spirit. I wasn't at the time praying, I wasn't at the time reading my Bible, I wasn't at the time studying, I was just in my house, minding my own business, and I love how God can speak to your heart uh, as you develop your spirit person, that it's not a, okay, Lord, you got 30 minutes, I'm going to pray, now give me everything I need to know. Some of us squeeze God into our time slot, and we can't figure out why we miss some of the opportunities He has for us, amen. And so... In my spirit, I just heard the phrase, dynamic and it's working. I thought, dynamic, well, that's kind of cool. What does that mean? Dynamic and it's working. So I began to research and search and came across this verse in particular translation. Say, dynamic, dynamic. and it's working. Your prayer can be dynamic and it's working. Have you ever prayed before? We've all prayed before. And if you're like, the person next to you, behind you, or the person you're looking at, we prayed and sometimes didn't have our prayers answered. We didn't see any operational change in what we were praying for. And yet, 
that's the humanity side of us as we learn to define and discover the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Do you understand that God operates not by the system of the world, but the system of his kingdom? That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't make the priority how you want to do it or how your neighbor that doesn't know God wants to do it or how the culture or the trend wants to do it. Find how the kingdom works. The kingdom means how the king operates. I call it the policies and procedures of the king. It's like leaving one job and going to the next. And every typical job has a policies and procedures. If you want time off, if you're sick and can't make it to work, if you want vacation, if you're going to do an evaluation, there's how to do what they do. They're operations. This is what we do. This is how we do it and why we do it. If you follow the policies and procedures, it should go well with you within the organization. If you make up your own policies and procedures, it won't go so well with you. If you carry the policies and procedures of the last job into the new job, where have you been for two weeks? Oh, I went to Hawaii. Did you let us know? Oh, no, I didn't let you know. Why did you not let us know? Because at my last job, they told me I didn't just to email somebody and make sure it's covered. I don't have to let anybody know. I don't have to get it approved. I just need to make sure it's covered. Well, we're glad it was covered, but that's the policies and procedures of your last job. Those don't work at this job. Look to your neighbor and say, that doesn't work here. In the kingdom of God, we come out of the kingdom of darkness. That's the way the world works. And if we're not careful, we'll bring the policies and procedures of how the world works into the kingdom of God. And we struggle saying, God, I'm doing it this way. And God said, why'd you do it that way? Well, that's the way I've always done it. That's the way I'm comfortable with. That's the way my parents and my grandparents did it. That's the way it's, the world does it. And God will say, well, I'm glad that that's the way they do it, or you're comfortable, or that's what you're familiar with. But if I don't do it that way, I'm not, that's not how it works in my kingdom. If you want to know how it works, find out, seek first, make a priority how I do things. It's a mystery. Say, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. I love mysteries, do you not? It's a mystery. I was talking to my older sister earlier, and she's like, oh, we got to watch this movie. It's, a, it's an amazing mystery. I like mystery movies, so I started to watch it. I didn't finish it, didn't have the time. I have no idea the conclusion. All I know is the problem. I know the question. I know the mystery. But I have no idea the solution to the mystery. Why? Because I didn't stay in it long enough, come on, somebody, to discover what the solution is. Some of us, we don't stay in it long enough. We just come to, oh, that didn't work for me, and we step out of it, and we walk away saying, oh, you know I mean? It, it'll never work. Why? Because I tried it. You only tried it for 10 minutes of the movie. You didn't stay with it long enough, but when we stay with it long enough, Jesus, the disciples, asked, why do you speak in parables? And he said, and please challenge everything anybody says, including me, with the word of God in your own time. Don't take anybody's word for it. That's a danger in the kingdom of God. People just accepting everything that's been said by somebody. Challenge it. Everything must line up with the word of God. And Jesus said, when they asked him, why do you speak in parables? He said, because it's not given to everybody to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. You have to want what God has for you. You have to be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right standing with God. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. 
Not those who need it. Not just those who want it, but those who are hungry enough to pursue and say, God, I'm going to dig into your word, and I'm going to read your word and meditate on your word and discover the mysteries. Because they are secrets. Daniel said that he remembers a time where the hand of God was upon him and he understood the mysteries of heaven. Jesus called them mysteries. The New Testament refers to them as mysteries. Deuteronomy 29, 29, we speak a lot about around here. It talks about the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed. So there's things in the New Testament that belong to you and I, not only what we can receive, but how we're to receive them and how we're to operate within the confines of the kingdom that at first glance, you don't understand them. Nobody does. It doesn't always make sense. Because Corinthians tells us that spiritual things make no natural sense to our carnal reasoning. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, that church believes in X, Y, and Z. You know, I don't, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. You might say, oh, they, they believe in speaking in tongues. That sounds kind of weird. Let me help you out. Everything in the New Testament sounds weird. Yep. Right? A virgin birth. Now, you've been around it so long, you've just accepted it, and you've warmed up to the fire of the reality of it. But when you ask somebody who's never heard it, yeah, there was a young girl two, over 2,000 years ago that got pregnant without having a husband or ever being with a man, and she was, she was pregnant with the, with the Son of God. Everything in the New Testament that we hold true and dear, that are truths from the natural mind, make no sense. A God that you cannot see who knows everything that's everywhere, really. And people that are atheists, ah, I don't believe that. Well, they haven't experienced him yet. But they're, they're trying to approach God from the pure logic of understanding, and you can't understand the depths of God that way. You have to receive him by faith. It has to be revealed into your spirit. It has to be made alive to you. I'm reminded of a story of a minister who was doing a debate at a college university with a, um, or at a university, excuse me, at a public university with a atheist. And so he let the atheist go first and the atheist did like a 30 minute spiel of why God does not and cannot exist. And after he was done, it was the minister's chance and he stood up and said, I want him to come back up for a quick second. And he said, you know, you're a very educated, a very intelligent individual, aren't you? And he said, yeah, I have a lot of degrees. I'm very intelligent. Yes, I could agree with that. He goes, let me ask you something. And he drew a circle on a piece of paper. And if this circle included all the knowledge everywhere of all time, of all things, you're intelligent. You probably know a big piece of this. How much of that circle of knowledge do you know? And the guy said, well, and took the magic marker and drew a 30%. He says, I probably know maybe 30%. He said, so wow, that's a lot. So you know 30% of all potential knowledge you, you believe. He said, probably so. And he goes, so what you're saying is that there is still some knowledge that you don't know. The guy said, well, yeah. He said, is it possible is it probable, in the, in the world of probability and options, is it probable that the existence of God could be in this other area which you have yet to know? And he said, well, yeah, I guess he, it could be possible. And he goes, you're no longer an atheist. 
Because in mathematical possibility, there is a place that he has yet to learn. Amen. And so we don't want to get bent out of shape and define the Word of God by our own experiences. We want to define our experiences by the Word of God. Well, I don't know if that works, you know what I mean, because I heard somebody who tried that and it didn't work for them, you know. Who was that? My cousin's neighbor's nephew's friend. You don't even know them. There's so many generations down. We just, I mean, we, we will build our lives on choices and decisions and perceptions that many times when you drill down into the source of it, it doesn't carry much merit. Anyway. And so when it comes to the, back to the context of prayer, we see from this verse that our prayer makes tremendous power available. Yes. Say tremendous power. Yes. Now it's available. Yes. And if we're doing, following the principle of the kingdom in that situation, then it's dynamic in its working. Say it's dynamic. it's dynamic. That means you can think of it like dynamite. You don't need to knock the wall down. Just put some dynamite. You don't have to blow up the bridge. Just need some dynamite. You don't have to tear that building down. Just put enough dynamite. If I can, if I can make the connection with the dynamite, the dynamite carries the power. It does the work. I don't do the work. I just initiate its DNA. I just release it to do what it's supposed to do. I handle it correctly so it doesn't blow me up, but I, I just release it. I don't have to do it. Its power is within itself. See, its power is just within itself. It's working. It does the work. It does the work. It does the work. It does the work. Say, it does the work. Bring it back to prayer. Prayer, it's not you forcing it, you making it, you trying to will it. You have to allow prayer to access God's power and it is working. It does the work. Dynamic in, not you're working. Not dynamic in your working. Some of us are carrying the weight of a responsibility that God never asked us to do. And we're trying to carry this weight and we're exhausted under, well, it's a heavy load. Well, give it to Jesus. Amen. Now that can be said flippant and lighthearted, but the reality is maybe am I carrying something in myself of trying to resolve, fix, or change something that God didn't intend for me to do within my ability, but he intended me to have within his covenant. And I'll make a connection by allowing the dynamite of my prayer to do the work that it needs to do. Dynamite. I'm going to let the dynamite do it. I don't need to blow on it anymore. I just light the fuse and I step away. And as I step away, it's going to do the work. I don't need to try to shake the bridge. No, it'll do the, the dynamite will take care of that. I don't, I don't need to, to sit there and get real close. No, I just need to step away and let the dynamite do its work. Some of us, we literally come to the prayer and then we, we begin to activate the prayer. And as we activate the prayer, then we stand close waiting and we're wondering, why are we waiting to, to see when God says, listen, it's like dynamite, step away. I got it from here. Faith without works is dead, which means there are things you need to do. But you, you know what you don't need to do? You don't need to do what God's supposed to do. 
Let God do what God's supposed to do. You do what you're supposed to do. And as you understand and begin to let the, the mysteries of the kingdom be revealed as we draw more over the next few weeks from this verse, the goal is that you begin to get a better understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom in prayer, that there's more than one type of prayer. If you don't use the right prayer in the right place, it's like not having the right tool at the construction job. Most people know it doesn't matter if you're in computers or building a house. The right tool makes all the difference. If you're trying to renovate, the right tool makes all the difference. I'm not into construction. All I have is a hammer, and it never works for me because I try to use it for everything. You need a light bulb change? No problem. I have a hammer. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because you need the right tool. And if you pray any prayer, it's not going to get any result because you need the right tool for the right situation. Can I get an amen? And when you begin to activate the right prayer, the right method of prayer, there's a prayer of faith, there's a prayer of uh, declaration or confession, there's a prayer of supplication, there's a prayer of repentance. There's all these different prayers, and people don't know when they throw a dart at the prayer of wall and say, one of these I hope works. And when you begin to say, I hope one of these works, you'll find out none of it works because you're not activating the, the power of the word, which is in faith. But when you begin to understand, wait a minute, I can activate this prayer, and I don't need, need to stand around like Jesus did not stand when he spoke spoke to the fig tree, the Bible says he moved on. Say he moved on. Some of us got to learn to step away from it. Some of us let it go. Lord, I've given it to you. I've cast my cares on you. Lord, I've chosen according to your word not to stress out, not to panic about anything, but with thanksgiving, make my request known unto God. And your peace, your word says, and the peace of God, which exceeds my understanding, will keep and guard my heart and soul and life. What am I doing? I'm saying, Lord, I prayed about that. Now I'm going to thank you. I'm going to speak your word and feed my spirit on it because I know I don't need to make that mountain move. All I got to do is what you tell me to do and they'll let the word do what the word can do. Let God do what God can do. Are you with me? The word is just not something simple. It's something powerful. It's the dynamite. It's powerful. Psalms 119, he's elevated his word above his name. It's powerful. He said, heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before my word fails. It's powerful. It's dynamic. It's dynamic. It's dynamic. It's dynamic. Isaiah 55 verse 10 says as, as rain and snow fall from heaven and waters the earth and makes it produce. I love the phrase and makes it produce. It doesn't ask the earth do you want to produce? It says here we come. We're watering the seed in there and we are making the process begin. We are making it produce. Then verse 11 so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void but shall accomplish that to which I sent it. Why? Because it, the word makes the situation change. It makes something change. Don't try to make the work the word do the work you let the word do the work amen say it's dynamic say it's powerful it's powerful it's powerful the the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working dynamic in its working pastor I prayed and I, I haven't seen any difference I'm not feeling anything. I'm not seeing anything. Let me go over three quick areas that you'll see as, God, as you begin to speak and pray God's word where it changes. Because a lot of us will stand around the fig tree waiting for an emotional confirmation. Have you ever done that? You pray, maybe you prayed for somebody, you prayed for a situation in your life, and we wait. We're waiting for an emotional confirmation. We're waiting for a goosebump. Have you ever done that? Have you ever walked away from a prayer and said, man, I didn't feel anything? Since when does feelings define if God heard that prayer? 
Can you imagine someone lighting the, the wick on dynamite? I've never done dynamite. I do fireworks. Come on, somebody. When you light the wick, you know what? When, the, when it is lit, it doesn't matter if you feel it or don't feel it. You just need to step away and watch the show. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to wonder if they packed it well. I wonder if that wick is long enough. No, light it, get out of the way, and watch the show. A story I usually share is when I was, when Logan was young, someone in the church gave me some fireworks. I said, hey, pastor, my brother owns a fireworks stand, and I picked you up some stuff. And I just swore he told me it was a sparkler. Oh, okay. I had done fireworks. So that night, Logan's about two or three, and I'm like, hey, Ken, let me, let me light this fireworks. It'll be Logan's first experience with fireworks. No, she's got to go to bed. Oh, let me, let me do it real quick. Don't take a second. She said, do you know what you're doing? Are you kidding me? I've shot fireworks so much. I have shot so many fireworks off in my life. Correct way and the incorrect way. Hadn't done it years, and I thought, oh, it's no big deal. How can it's, it's a little sparkler? So I pulled out this big round sparkler, and I noticed the little note said, make sure you use the, the canister. And I thought, well, that's strange. I've never seen a sparkler need a canister, but hey, I'll follow instructions. Because the last thing I want to do is not follow the instructions does something go wrong and my wife said did you follow the instruction I'm not going to give her that chance to have that over me in an argument come on somebody you know what I'm talking about just in case there is an argument I'm going to position myself as logically as good as I can and so I put that, that little sparkler in its canister I light it they're at the front door I walk away and I, I mean I just lit it I'm curious it's a sparkler you know a little and as I as I walk away, I hear behind me. I mean, I didn't walk fast. I just lit it and slowly, casually walked. So proud of myself. My daughter's going to see her first sparkler. What does that mean with any development in life? I have no idea, but I thought at the time it was a good idea. And as I walked away, I hear. <laughs> Some of you know what that sound is. And I turned around, and in the sky, all lit up. That guy gave me a professional mortar. I'm glad I didn't hold it. Watch daddy, boom! No, you light it, you walk away, and you watch the show. I, I, I feel that's a word for somebody. We're going we're gonna to get into this over the next few weeks because I want you to have the confidence in your prayer and the word of God. Just like Jesus when he spoke the word, that you light it. You activate the word that you walk on and watch the show of what God and only God could do. I think it's time that the church that we stop globally, that we stop struggling under the burden of trying to make something happen, that God said, let me handle it. I'm going to ask you to do something, but I'm going to fight the battle. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to praise me, but I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to ask you to walk toward the enemy, but I'm going to kill the giant. I'm going to ask you to release the rock, but I'm going to give you the victory. Some of us are exhausted physically, exhausted emotionally, exhausted in every facet of our life because we're trying to do what only Jesus can do. And we're th we thought that we're God because if we're going to pray it, we got to make it happen and do everything. No, you do what God shows you to do. Walk away. Step back and let God do the impossible. Let God show you the show that you've never seen before, you've never felt before, that you've never demonstrated. Oh, pastor, I'm a little scared. You might be a little nervous, but begin to rebuke the fear and step in faith as you obey God and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. 
I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with my children. I'm going to trust you with my family. I'm going to trust you with my marriage. I'm going to obey you and not try to hover over. I'm going to let it go. Put it in your hands. Walk away. And I'm going to wait as I begin to see what only God can do in a manifestation, in a demonstration that cannot be denied. We cannot get settled for the discomfort of the journey or be settled with the comfort if we've lived with it. Some of us, all we need is just to be comforted from the shell shock of the attack and we'll settle and make do and make way and become a part of the process of what life has become. But God didn't tell you that. I think we need to have the mindset, God, I am activating your word. I am by the, by the fire of your spirit. I'm going to do what your word tells me to do. And I'm going to begin to walk away knowing that you got this. And I'm going to step into that place of peace. Three areas that we can begin to see. Because you have to understand when God begins, he starts with the unseen before he deals with the seen. He doesn't start with the visible. He starts with the invisible. That's why Corinthians tells us not to, to focus on what we see, but what we don't see. Because what we see is temporal in the King James, which means subject to change. But what we don't see is eternal. What does he mean? He's talking about your visual eyes. That's why you need spiritual eyes to see the revelation. Because the revelation, the truth of God, there is another kingdom than the kingdom of the world. There is another kingdom than the kingdom of darkness. That is the kingdom of, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And in God's kingdom, when he reveals it to you, he gives you light. In that kingdom, in that kingdom, you begin to see God's word become alive to you. And he doesn't start with what we see. He begins with the area of what we don't see. It begins, you can say it this way. It begins with the root before it changes the fruit. God will start dealing with the root of your life before you see the change of the fruit. Most people, all they deal with and want is the fruit of it. Good or bad. Oh, Jesus, I don't want this torment. Well, the torment's connected to the lifestyle you're living. Oh, we don't want to go there. Let's move on to something different. Lord, I want the fruit of, I want the fruit of your blessing. Okay, let me start to the heart of your generosity. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. God starts with the root to change the fruit. James 1, this personally, James 1, verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness, and with the humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your soul. Rooted in your heart, which is able. Well, see, Pastor, that's saying salvation. I'm already saved. You don't understand. Salvation, you think, is just about your sins being forgiven, and that includes that. Salvation, you think, is just about you going to heaven and missing hell, and that includes that. Salvation is, you think, it's just about you beginning to experience God, and it includes that. But I'm here to tell you that the word salvation in the Greek is soterior. The word saved is sozo, and it encompasses, it is a contractual agreement. It, some people call it a testament, New Testament. Some people call it covenant, New Covenant. It is a contract between God and humanity to those who are willing to receive it. It encompasses 
forgiveness. It encompasses knowing him. It encompasses going to heaven and missing hell. But it encompasses everything purchased by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. It includes your healing. It includes your peace. It includes your joy. It includes your financial. It includes your physical body. Listen here. When you die and go to heaven, your physical body stays in the ground for a little bit of time. But one day the Bible says in Thessalonians that it's going to come out of that grave and be glorified. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. It's his. Your body belongs. You are not your own. You belong to Jesus. If you're a born-again child of God, you, your mind, your spirit, and your body. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It belongs to him. So your spirit immediately goes to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, the Bible says. But at that point, it's not over. Because Jesus said, hey, I purchased with my blood. You're redeemed. That's a, that's a Bible word, redeemed, which means to be bought back. I purchase you with my blood. Not only your spirit person, which is the real you. Not only the soulish person, but also the physical person. In the morning, number two, practically. Mark 11, verse 20, in the morning. This is Jesus talking to the fig tree. Jesus is talking to a tree. Some of us would think that is crazy. But I'm not going there because it's Jesus. So if it looks crazy to me and it's Jesus doing it, maybe I'm the one that's a little crazy in the mix. Maybe I'm the one that's got to figure out, all right, Lord, there's something you know that obviously I don't. You're talking to a plant. In the morning as they were passing by, the disciples saw, and he had cursed the fig tree, or literally said, no man shall eat from you here and after. I like to say it this way. He canceled the fig tree's assignment. The assignment of the fig tree was to produce figs for those who wanted to eat it. And when the creator shows up, even though it might not be the season, and he's hungry and he sees leaves, which represents there's figs because figs come in the leaves. And he looked and said, no one will eat from you again, which means your assignment has been canceled. Now notice, and then it says they moved on. Verse 20, in the morning as they were passing by, the disciples saw the fig tree that had withered away from the roots up. What happened? When Jesus canceled its assignment of a natural system, it began to dry up when he spoke it. Where? From the roots first. Because some of us have done some landscaping in our life, and we've cut that crazy weed down. And we think, oh, the yard looks better now. Got that ugly weed out of here. And you come back shortly after, and it's back. It's because we've cut the fruit or the vine, but we didn't cut the root of it. When Jesus spoke the word, he changed the natural system from the root. That's the unseen side. You don't see the root. It's below the surface. All we see is the fruit. So what you can't see is what's being dealt with first, not only in our lives, doesn't matter, it's generosity, walking in love, peace, whatever. Starts on the inside. He works on the inside out. But even the natural. So when we begin to speak God's word over a natural system that's impacting our direct life, that God's called under our authority, all of a sudden it begins to change. But you don't see the change immediately. So Jesus didn't stand there, look at his watch and say, let's see how long this takes. Jesus spoke what he said in the word and began to move away. 
And it wasn't until when they came back later. Why? Because he had things to do, people to see, people to reach. Can I, can I get an amen? And as they came back later, they noticed it at that time was visible to the natural eye that it was not only withered up, it was withered up at the root. But at first, it began to wither up. Are you listening to me? At first, things begin to change. At first, things begin to work dynamically, and they did not see it with a natural eye. But, but Jesus knew the moment he spoke that word, Isaiah 55, 11, it was not going to return void. It was going to accomplish the assignment, and that assignment was changing the natural. Say natural. Okay, so that's the physical world, the practical world. So we have our personal, we have the physical. Last but not least, Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Jesus is in the boat. He's saying, we're going to the other side. He's sleeping. They wake him up. They're freaking out. Have you heard this story before? And they're freaking out because he is overwhelmed. The disciples are overwhelmed thinking they're going to die because of the storm. Jesus, they wake him up and said, don't you even care, which is a whole other message in itself. And he got up, verse 39, amplified, and he got up and sternly rebuked the wind. Oh, I like that. A lot of us need to learn how to talk stern. I've seen people anointed, and man, when they get in the anointing, they could be a grandma of 80 that's soft-spoken, wouldn't raise their voice. But man, you get them in prayer and the anointing, and something stern comes out of their spirit. And when they begin to rebuke the enemy, because Matthew tells us, 18, 18, that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loose in heaven. You can't be passive with the devil. The Bible tells us that he's a principality of the air. These spiritual forces were manipulating the wind to keep him from what the Father had told him to do. Because yeah. he said, I didn't come to do my works. I've come to do the will of the Father. Amen. The words I speak are from the Father. The miracles you see, it's the Father doing the work through me. Yes. So the assignment of we're going to the other side was from the Father. So the destiny of heaven was we're going to the other side. Have you ever felt like you were in the destiny of heaven and the enemy tried to slip in a storm to sidetrack you? And all of a sudden, you start looking for a detour to the destiny of heaven. You're trying to go around it, trying to detour it, trying to take a little longer. What if we just go right through it? What if we learn to activate what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks? And today's just the introduction. And we begin to say, wait a minute. I can wake up and cry. I can wake up and begin to row. I can wake up and start throwing water overside. I can wake up and reroute this boat to a place that's no storm. Or I can wake up and elevate to the place I'm called to be. Jesus stood up. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Psalms 119, the entrance of his word, the unfolding of his word gives light. It gives it gives understanding to the simple. All of a sudden, I have light because David said, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. All of a sudden, I got light from the word. I'm going to rise up, and instead of trying to accommodate the devil, instead of trying to make room for the enemy, instead of trying to negotiate with the, the, uh, the guy who thinks he's a lion, I'm going to rise up as a lion of the tribe of Judah, because we're connected. We are in the body of Christ. Are you with me? And he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I'm going to be, begin to roar what he is roaring. I'm going to begin to say, wait a minute. You spiritual forces that are creating that storm, I'm going to bind you. Stop it. Sternly, stop it. He didn't say, please think about it. He said, it says here, he sternly rebuked it. Do you know what that means? Sternly rebuked. This is deep. Sternly rebuked. You ever see a teacher that was out of control? I mean, there might be a teacher of kindergarten class, and they've done figured out, we have her. Have you ever done that? I know it's possible. I used to do that when I was a kid in grade school. Got in trouble all the time. I said, oh, I got this one. 
I would annoy people. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. That's why I got to keep praying and stay in the spirit because I get in the flesh and I'm not. <laughs> I remember 17 years ago. No. Someone who's in authority. It's like a little dog. You could say, oh, please step away. Or you could stomp your foot and say, get out of here. Sternly rebuked. Sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Said to the sea, hush, be still. I like to be muzzled. And the wind died down. As if it had grown weary, and there was at once a great calm, a perfect, a perfect peacefulness, what nature could not do on its own, what, what the waters could not do on their own when God steps in, it brings a completeness to the other side of your storm. Mm. Let me go back to my original verse. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Amen. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what are those key elements. If you're baking something, you got all the ingredients. You have to have the right ingredients to get the right result. Yes. We're going to talk about the ingredients. The name of this series is called Dynamic Declaration. We're going to find the truth of balance, because any truth has extremes. This is not going to be you just saying stuff and seeing stuff happen. No, this is, we're going to talk about the key elements to this. Dynamic declarations, dynamic declarations, because I, if it's in the word for you, God wants you to have that ability. Can you imagine how your world's about to change when we begin to activate the dynamite of God's Word in our lives? Not making it happen. Just step back and watch the show. Look to your neighbor and say, step back and watch the show. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We'll stop right there. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, you lay your head on your pillow at night. Do you know your heart's right with God? And the way you process and the way you experience, do you know that He's real and your Lord and Savior? No one else can tell you this. It's, it's a personal experience. If you don't, you can. This is the day of salvation. I'm going to pray a prayer. Romans tells us, that with the heart man believes in a righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I will come in. I'm challenging you. This is the day. You, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. You don't have to live under the weight of that sin. You don't have to live under the torment of the devil. You don't have to live under the burden of condemnation. You can be free. You can be forgiven. You can know your heart's right with God. Starting this second. With every head, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, 
and you don't know Jesus and you want him to be your Lord and Savior, let this prayer come from your heart. Say with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer, I want to speak a blessing over your life specifically. The Bible tells us that we can be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, which means I believe you can walk out of this place. And where things before would intimidate you, things before would tempt you, when people, when peer pressure would hit you, in the past you might have buckled your knees or gave in or just did what the crowd wanted. That's not the will of God for you. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to stand strong. He's not going to change your voice or change your hair. No, but he wants on the inside of you where you have a confidence, a peace, and a strength. That even if someone's trying to say, hey, let's go here, and you know it's wrong, you'll say, no, I'm sorry, I love you, but I can't go. Right. And begin to live for him as a light in a dark world. Amen? Not live for him on Sunday and then get cleaned up from what we did all week. So we go back Monday and live for the world again and come back on Sunday and repent. That's not the best that God has for you. He wants you to go from one level to the next level, from glory to glory. Amen. Amen. The path of the righteous, Proverbs says, shines brighter and brighter to the completed day. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you prayed that prayer at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to stand up, stay where you're at, but just stand to your feet. And first thing, we're going to clap and celebrate with you because the Bible says heaven celebrating. Amen. And so you're like, I'm not comfortable standing in front of a bunch of people I, I don't know. I totally get it. But you know what? We need to cross that line within ourselves. So Lord, I'm going to stand up for you. Because if we have trouble standing up for Jesus in this room where people are clapping for it, how do we stand up for Jesus out there when people are not clapping about it? Amen? So I believe it builds a tenacity. we got to build that strength and tenacity back in the church world. Quit being passive by everybody with a louder voice or opinion. And stand up for Jesus in love. Amen? And so the count of three. Now, some of you are bold. You'll be quick to stand. Some of you are, are a little passive. So the bold people stand up quickly. So the, the ones who are shy will be encouraged. But the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and meant business with God, and you're, you know you just got saved, I want you to stand to your feet so I can pray over you real quick. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now. Who am I talking to? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Three, four. God bless you. Five, six. God bless you. Seven. Anybody else? We'll give it a few more seconds. Somebody over here. Two in the, in the back portico. Amen. We'll give you a few more seconds. I don't want to miss you, this opportunity. Come on, over to my left. I sense there's somebody over to my left. We'll give you a few more seconds. Amen. 
First of all, let me say congratulations. How exciting. Stretch your hands toward them. Father, in the name of Jesus, for everyone that's standing, we speak over their life. We seal them with the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you that they're born again right now. But Father, we ask you to not only seal them with the Holy Spirit, but strengthen them with might in the inner person by your Spirit. Thank you for strength and boldness and courage in the days ahead. Thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you.